Hey, listeners, welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. I'm really excited to have Petri Latella on this program today. And I'm really excited to talk to him because he is the founder and CEO of one of the hardware products in the biometrics biohacking space that I think is uh, the most compelling. And that is the Aura Ring, O-U-R Ring. Uh, it's a really sleek, long battery life, you know, heart rate variability, sleep tracker, activity tracker device. Uh, and I think it, it stands in comparison very, very well to a lot of the sleep or activity trackers that you might, you know, commonly see out there. Uh, before diving into it, let me just introduce the guest. Petteri, uh, great to have you on the program. Great to be here. It's really a pleasure. I've been expecting this. <laughs> so we're in a 10-hour difference. So we're based in San Francisco, and mm. you are currently in Finland. Um, yes. What's, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I always, you know, I had some Finnish friends, and it's always... The, the weather and, and the lighting there is always interesting. Is it, is it, you know, half dark all the time? You know, what, what season is it over there now? Yeah, it's, it's uh, midwinter now. So, so it's cold, basically coldest season. And we only have, let's say, a few hours of, of light during the day. Yeah. Uh, in, in the shorter, uh, let's say, darkest period of the midwinter, it's it's only a couple of hours of light during the day, but yeah. now the days are getting longer and longer. <laughs> so so it's uh, it's good time to work. <laughs> yeah, concentrate on working because there's it's it's dark outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's always been interesting. I think you know it, it would be weird if you're just sitting in dark, you know, for twenty four hours a day, and and it, you have to just use artificial light to to understand what's going on. But anyways, yeah. before we digress. Um, Hardware. Um, what's your background? How did you get into this space in, in, in initially? You know, what's your what's your story? Yeah. So first fourteen years of my career, I was in the context of telecoms. So I was in in a small company where we developed uh, first PC based monitoring tool, protocol monitoring tool for mobile network testing. And, and we pioneered uh, the GSM monitoring and 3G and, and, and later on the others. So, so from a small company of a few people, we, we grew a market leader in two, two uh, product categories, a global market leader in two product categories. And, and, and that was a really good way for me to learn about how to develop such high-tech product and take it to the international markets. So I ended up doing business in more than 30 countries, uh, uh, doing sales and marketing, and also establishing distribution networks in Asia, Europe, US, and meeting lots of people everywhere. And, and that was, let's say, from not only from the uh, career perspective, but also my, my personal uh, life experience perspective. It was a huge thing for me right. to learn so many things. But then eventually I got tired on, on mobile networks and I, I didn't find meaning behind. So I wanted to turn my meaning, uh, kind of a doing and, and, and use my energy on something more meaningful. Like, and, and this human well-being, human health and performance, it became my, my big driver 2004, 2005. So then, then I joined a company where we developed uh, IT systems for chronic diseases management mm. and 
prevention. So that was a good school for me to learn about uh, how our body responds to our lifestyle, really, and dig deeper into that understanding that if we if we don't um, kind of keep the balance uh, between load and recovery, then we end up developing some chronic disease, and and then then uh, it's really hard to turn that to a health situation. Right. And so. So it was a good good way for me to learn and discuss with the or learn from the best experts in the world. So uh, majority of our customers were London Healthcare Trusts and and, and hospitals, doctors there, and, and and also elsewhere in the U.S. and, and Japan and right. elsewhere in the world. So it was it was huge thing for me to learn uh, in that context. And actually, I got the first ideas for this product in that context. So so it, it became kind of a thought that, okay, what we could provide to individuals so that they could, in a very easy way, learn about how their body responds to their lifestyle. And then they could avoid the, uh, the symptoms of prolonged stress, but also they could prevent the onset of chronic diseases. So that was my kind of a take into this thing. And and then we combined all these different views and uh, started to to explore uh, with different ideas of the product. And we already knew we had this experience with polar products and basically all the the wearables in the market measuring your health condition. And and, uh, eventually, after doing plenty of prototypes, we found out uh, uh, that from the finger, we could get the most most relevant signals. So very powerful access and accurate access to pulse waveform. Uh, Which the, is very the, uh, counterintuitive. So I remember the first time I approached your product, it was, you know, most products out there are, you know, wristwatches, right? Like yes, an Apple Watch. Yes, and yes. it seems intuitively that, you know, the wrist has so much more blood vessel. It's a lot bigger size. Like the sensors yes. on the Apple Watch, if you flip it around, there's like, you know, f- multiple lasers shooting green light into you. Um, you know, how is, you know, such a small, tiny device with the Oura Ring? I, 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 I was using it all week and I misplaced it somewhere and I miss it. So I need to find it. But, um, yeah. yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah. How does you know the, the sensors on the Oura Ring are so much more tiny? Um, how do you how do yes. you how do you explain that you can get as much data or better data than something on the wrist? Yeah, actually. Uh, or, you know, how, yeah, how did you decide to go on the f- finger as 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 the, as the area? Yeah, so so we used uh, or we actually rewrite the software on pulse oximeter that is used in hospitals to measure your vital signs. Right. And, and from there, we learned that, okay, from the finger, actually, we can get really strong pulse waveform signal. Right. So and then, for those that don't understand what a pulse oximeter are, it's basically the, the, the red light that you clip onto your finger, right? And it measures yes. your oxygen and, and some of the other biomet markers. Yes, there's yeah. infrared signal and there's, there's red, red LED as well. Right. So there are two different wavelengths used yeah. so that they can get the, the plot saturation oxygen saturation measured as right. well, but also the pulse waveform. So, so, um, so we saw that this, the signal in, in these arteries that we have, we have two arteries on each finger on the palm side. 
so we can get access to them directly uh, and, and in a comfortable way. So that is a big, big thing that if you if you want to have continuous data in an accurate way, it must be very comfortable to use. So therefore, ring ring is is one of the oldest wearables in the world. So people have worn them hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, and and um, then by having right kind of sensors, so infrared sensors that we can access uh, through the skin and through the flesh uh, to the arteries directly, uh, then then we could get get access to the pulse waveform very accurately. And then even even to the pulse waveform variation, the pulse amplitude variation, which is modulated by breathing rate and also your blood pressure. Right. So so we um, so now we are not talking anymore about having your average heart rate per minute, which normally is the case with wrist devices. Uh, so they estimate by by sampling it, mm-hmm. but but we measure every beat and the time between the heartbeats. And, and, and then pulse amplitude variation. And from those, we can derive lots of insights about the whole pulse waveform characteristics. Right. So how does how do you have so much more power in such a small device compared to you know something like a watch that's so much bigger? Yeah, so first of all, because the, the pulse signal is so much stronger here. So... so um, and as then, co- then as, we, as contrast to basically bone on the outer side of your wrist, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and, and it's much more kind of targeted signal because it's in the small small space here and there are two arteries there. And also that there are those, those small pumps right. uh, that are kind of lenses. lenses and, and, and then we can target the, the infrared signal very directly to the, to the artery and, and, and that then get good reading of the pulse waveform. So, so it's also that this the ring stays on very um, in in a in a way that it doesn't disturb you at right. all. And also, if you just turn your hand or turn your finger, it doesn't turn anyway. It just right. stays there, and right. the connection to the skin is so good. Right. Uh, so, so that is the big difference there, and also um, that allows us to 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 manage the power very uh, in a in an efficient way right so so if you compare it to any other device not even wrist devices but also other devices uh, this this new ring it measures the the continuous pulse waveform uh, and the variation and the heartbeats uh, around 14 hours per 24 hours so 14 hours of of the day mm-hmm. uh, and it can do it in a continuous basis for seven days, up to seven days, in, in with one charge, which is massive parallel. I mean, I think as we yes. all know with wrist devices, I mean, you gotta do that every night, and it's annoying. So, yes, exactly. I, I, and I think if you can, you know, if it's a week long battery life, that was a huge game changer for me. Yes, because you can set it and forget the, it. I think the worst thing with technology is like, oh, you gotta recharge it. And I think with you know wrist device like an Apple Watch, which I yes. also have, it's like every night you gotta charge it or decide you want to put it for your sleep tracker and you, you can't do yes. both and it's annoying exactly <laughs> exactly and, and also that the sampling rates in the wrist devices they are they take maybe few samples per per minute or right. few samples per second or it, it varies between devices but still they don't take continuous reading of your 
your heart rate, the pulse right. waveform and the time between the heartbeats and so on. And, and we, this ring does it in ECG level. So we have validated it against the ECG. Right. So the heart rate is, is 99.9% the same as ECG. And HRV is 98.4% the uh, same wow. as ECG. And ECGs are essentially, you know, gold standard what you have in a hospital. Exactly, exactly, yes. Yeah. Yes, and, and from there we can derive the respiration rate, breathing variance, and, and different, different kind of, this amplitude variation actually is really important for sleep staging. Right. So that is the reason why we get deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep detected so accurately as well compared to polysomnography. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about your algorithms there. But before that, I really want to contrast um, your approach with, you know, the approaches that essentially every other wearables product has gone after. I mean, it seems so obvious, you know, after the fact that, okay, most people that are building watches are using so much more power uh, to detect something that has a lot less signal and it's a lot less accurate. Um, mm. You know, why have they gone down the route of going, you know, you know, on the bone, on the bony side of the wrist? I mean, I had heard some discussion that the original Apple Watch wanted to put the sensors at, on the strap and, yes, and, and put exactly. it on the bottom side of the wrist where there's a lot more... That's true. Uh, arteries and, and, and arteries blood, there. Uh, there, right? Like, yes. It, yes, it seems like you know, you in the approach with Aura is that you designed the form factor and function very seamlessly together. Where wearable manufacturers on the wrist have gone for the form over function, right? If you actually yes. went for function, you would have exactly. the sensors on the wrist strap. Uh, can, exactly. can, can you can you can you expound upon that? Yes, I think. One of the main reasons for that is that when we started developing the solution, we first defined the use cases, so meaningful use cases from the end user perspective. And actually, it ended up being very, very important for us because it helped us really do big decisions along the way we were, when we were developing the hardware and software and, and eventually towards the end product, even the app as well. So we always could go back to the use cases that, okay, we are solving this use case and this is what the user wants to learn with the product. So we followed that, that very rigorously and, and wanted to realize those. So I think that is the, the main thing that many companies, they, they kind of miss that part and they just that put, put the sensors into the device and okay, it can measure this and that, but they don't think that, okay, what is the real use case for the end user? Right. What is the benefit? And, and then the benefit is, is driving us to find always the best choice uh, to, to reach that target. So that drove us also to, to select fingers, select ring form factor, and then uh, kind of made us or forced us to make it comfortable where uh, because we wanted access to the longitudinal data, not right. only just one day or a few days, right. but, but really long months and years of data. Right. So I think that is the main differentiator. Yeah, and I want to dive into the algorithms and, and, and how your data is more accurate. So given my experience, I've had a chance to wear it for a couple weeks now. Um, and I was actually doing some experiments where I measured 
you know, how the Aura Ring was tracking me versus oh, uh, an Apple Watch app called Auto Sleep was like one of the most top rated sleep tracking apps on, on the watch. And yeah. um, I knew I had woken up, you know, that, you know in, in the specific nights, walked around, went to the bathroom, et cetera. And mm. uh, the Aura Ring picked that up and it showed like, you mm. know, the wake, I was awake or in light sleep in, in you know, in, in various parts of the night where the mm. Apple Watch auto sleep app just didn't show that at all. It was just like, a, you know, just showing, you know, light sleep, deep sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. So from... Yeah. So again, from my very non-scientific n equals one, you know, a, a couple night experiment, it seemed like the Aura Ring was much more accurate than an Apple Watch app, uh, even though it was like you know running continuously, you know, shooting green lasers into the back mm. of my wrist all night long. Um, mm. Mm. How did how, you know specifically? How, how you know why was it so much better? I mean, was there some you know gyroscopic motion that I could de I could detect? That I was like up and, and, and moving around. And, as a, or did my heart rate go up and then knew I, I, I woke up? Can you get some insight into how, you know, the differences there? Yeah, the biggest difference is the pulse waveform variation. So, so and also the breathing, that we can derive the breathing rate uh, from the, from the uh, interbeat interval. So the time between the heartbeats, we can mm. derive your breathing rate and breathing variance. So the, and, and also from, from the... Uh, amplitude variation we can we can detect it, it, it as well and breathing actually it, it uh, correlates very much with the different sleep stages as huh. well as your your heart rate and the the heart rate variability so all of them have certain kind of characteristics in different sleep phases and and that comes from from the interplay between the autonomic nervous system and central nervous system basically your brain and and Heart, they they have continuous discussion. Vagal nerve is one of the things that this is assigned to that. So so we kind of capture that kind of discussion between your brain and and heart, and the the heart is expressing through the autonomic nervous system. Uh, it's expressing there here in the peri periphery from the pulse waveform and the pulse waveform characteristics. It's expressing what's happening in your brain. Interesting. Yeah. And, so, and, 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 and how, did you collect that data yourself? I mean, this is, it seems like relatively novel data sets. I mean, how did you come up with the algorithms that translate heart rate, heart rate variability, interval between heart rate, and then correlate that to breathing and sleep yeah, stages? So, yeah, that, that is the, the, one of the most clever parts of, of developing the product. So, so this, this Hannu Kinunen who came from Polar, he he collected the data from the sleep labs, so 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 the finger data and, and right. the polysomnography data, and found the correlations between those signals, those biosignals. Uh, so so combining the accelerometer signal, so all the movements, and 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 then this all the characteristics of the pulse waveform and heart rate, breathing rate, and heart rate variability. Uh, so so it gave. Through that process, he selected certain set of characteristics for each sleep stage, yeah. and, and and had the the algorithms going through over the night right. and correlating to the polysomnography continuously. So, so that's that's the way how we also did the validation uh, right later on, and and, and also that uh, Stanford Research Institute did completely independent validation. 
they actually bought to only two rings uh, from the Kickstarter campaign. And they, they ran a, a completely independent study of more than 40 young adults. And, and the results were, were really good. So, so they were surprised to see that how accurately the ring can detect different sleep stages on the yeah. finger. No, it seemed very impressive. It's, and it's impressive that, I mean, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I think it's um, commendable that you, you don't dive into, you know, calling this machine, you know, it is essentially a machine learning for, you know, translating yes, HRV is. into sleep stages. Exactly. And I, but I think it, 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 is. it is commendable that you're not out there necessarily hyping up, you know, t dropping buzzwords of AI, machine learning. But essentially, you guys have built a machine learning algorithm to learn the characteristics of HRV, which is one single signal, and, and some of the things yes. you can take from that and translate it to so many downstream effects, um, which is very cool. I mean, I think that's something that I have, you know, from a athletic perspective, as we're diving, you know, our communities looking at both athletic and cognitive performance and metabolic performance, the HRV seems to be one of these metrics that is implicated in so many uh, downstream endpoints. Um, yes. You know, HRV, yes. you know, more and more people are using it as a signal for recovery to, you mm. know, to decide hey, you know, how heavy a workout they should be doing the next day. Um, and it, it kind of makes sense because it is, you know, a reflection of the parasympathetic system, right? Like it's kind of like your, um, it's it just exactly. interesting, you know, how, you know, could we speculate here? Why is this one kind of arbitrary, if you will, measure of the heart? implicated is so important that it, it can inform us on so many different parts of our of our of our day yeah it is it is one of the important signals but there are also others but but if we concentrate first on the hrv uh, something that i would like to mention first is that it is as you know it's very sensitive to whatever you do i mean if you if you measure it randomly during the day it gives you really random results as well. So the, the context where you measure the HRV must be kind of set, kind of a standard time slot or standard protocol mm. when you measure it. And also that, um, as you know, in many applications, uh, people tend to measure the HRV for the first five minutes in the morning when they wake up. But what we learned is that it's much more accurate if you do it over the night. So actually the ring measures uh, uh, all the time, every beat and the time between the heartbeats, and then it derives for every five-minute block, it derives the HRV figure. Right. And then, then it gives you, as a trend between the days, it gives you how it's trending. And, and um, in, so then it's, it's kind of a most accurate way for you to use it as a, uh, giving you a direction that how your autonomic autonomic balance is reflecting to to what you do during the day. Right. So and and also not only yesterday but but also the previous days. So how well you are recovering from the load that you had and and whether it's mental or physical right. or cognitive right. load, whatever. But in from the body's perspective, it reflects that that balance right uh, one thing that that was interesting about hrv was that it's kind of counterintuitive that you want more variability between heartbeats which yes. seems yes. to be 
when I first, you know, learned that, that I thought it was kind of counterintuitive, right? You, you, you kind of want to have a stable heartbeat. Like, why do you want more variability? So, 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 so to be clear, the more variability, the more recovered you are, the less yes. variability, the more stressed or, 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 or yeah, more, more under strain your body is. Can you, yes. can we tease into that? Yes. And also what is important to remember that we are all unique. So each one of us, we have our own capacity. If, we, if you think your autonomic nervous system as, as a water bowl, for example, then, then you have your own capacity. The amount of energy in your, your uh, body is, is kind of reflected there as well. So, so we are unique in that sense that what is the dynamics, uh, the capability of our autonomic nervous system to, to serve you as a very dynamic source of energy in certain situations, and also how quickly it can recover to the balance. So, so um, each one of us, we need to find our own level, and also how we can get get the HRV higher. Uh, so, so see the trend, how it's trending, and then see what helps me to, to get higher HRV? So what kind of exercises, what kind of rhythms, how is my sleep quality? Do I recover enough from what I'm doing? So, and also it goes along with your capacity. So, so how much of, of energy you have for the day when you wake up in the morning? So all that is, is kind of reflected through the trending of your HRV. Yeah, and I think that is, uh, I mean, I, I think just scoping out a bit here, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things with, you know, I think the broader community around uh, applying engineering principles to the human platform. You know, people might call it biohacking or quantified self, but I, re I really look at, you know, you know, something that we as human, we do is we make uh, very precise inputs into the body. And I think mm. companies like yours, you're tracking uh, very quantifiably the outputs, the, the the markers that we care about the body. And I think, you know, in, in, in some future state of humanity, it makes sense that we can, you know, very much tune the inputs, whether that's something that you eat or consume or exercise yeah. or your fast or your sleep protocol, exercise yes. protocol, and really control yeah. the outputs. And I think you really need both parts to really have this tight feedback loop circle. Um, exactly. And I think, exactly. and I think, you know, HRV and some of the metrics you track are, are very important. I think, you know, some other markers I imagine will be super important will be things like fasted blood glucose, blood serum, ketone levels. I'm curious, I mean, you know, what are the key things that you track today? And then, you know, in, in for Gen 2, but, you know, what is, you know, Gen 3, Gen 4, you know, what are the key things that you track today? And, and what do you think are interesting things to track, you know, in, 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 in the future? Yeah, so one, one of the, let's say, very differentiating uh, thing what we measure in addition to, to having gyro and a 3D accelerometer and this pulse waveform and HR, HRV, those things, is the body temperature mm. measurement. So, so the ring measures actually in the thermometer level, it measures the, the body temperature variation between the nights. So in 0 0.07 degrees centigrade resolution, you see... It's, it's like sleeping with thermometer every night. <laughs> and, and, and you know your body temperature also is, is a way for your body to, to reflect how it is 
reflecting to your or responding to your lifestyle. Right. So what what you've eaten, what time did you eat, what kind of food did you eat, how is your sleeping protocol, how it's how it's recovering from exercise, right. and, and and so on, how your internal organs are operating. So so it tells actually about so many things, uh, but also especially for women. Uh, the ring measures also your menstrual cycles, mm, so it shows. Right. Which, uh, yeah. Yes, so so it also kind of reflects your hormonal balance, right. and and it helps female athletes to to optimize their their exercise so that, for example, strength training is better to do in a certain phase of the menstrual cycle and so mm. on, so that then they can really utilize all that power that they can they get from the hormonal hormonal situation right. in that certain phase. Also probably useful then, for fertility as well, right? Like I'm sure, you know, it also correlates in different parts of the cycle, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then also that they can avoid the overtraining right. as well when they are aware of, of the phases. So I think that that is one big differentiator. So there is no other wearable device or any other device that you can actually get your body temperature reading right. every morning, the variation of that, how it's changing over the time. Right. And, and then another thing is when you combine these things together, so you see your resting heart rate curve as a trend, your heart rate variation as a trend, also your body temperature variation as a trend, your breathing frequency variation. So what we've learned is that, for example, when you are recovering from illness, uh, what can happen, and, and we have many of these cases, that your uh, when when you are recovering from the illness, your resting heart rate will come down first, and then your body temperature will come to the normal level. But there are cases that the inflammation in your lungs can stay there still for two weeks or even longer. Mm. So your your breathing rate during the night is much higher than normally. So it means that the inflammation is still there. So you can't return to your normal exercise routines or otherwise you can you can ruin everything you've done for the previous few right. months or even years right so so that's that's something that when you combine many meaningful biosignals as a long-term trend then it, it adds that kind of value that you can't get in any other way Oh, absolutely. I mean, it sounds at some point you want to simulate essentially and project forward, you know, the, the full human state, right? And I think you know our jobs is to like decide what are the most important signals, and then build meaningful uh, protocols around them, right? Exactly. And 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 one example of this is what we are coming up with this generation two ring, is that uh, we can really personalize the guidance to you because we can also detect your chronotype and your circadian alignment based on, on your chronotype. Mm -hmm. So you know, the, based on uh, Dr. Michael Breus, there are at least four different chronotypes and he, he names them uh, according to mammals. So lions, bears, dolphins. Right, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. You know, people, yeah, I see people saying, hey, I'm a lion sleeper. It's like, it's yeah. like what, what are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so basically, it is, everyone have, have heard about morning persons and yeah. evening persons. Right. And, and so it's, it is just that each one of us are also unique in that sense that we have our internal clock and you can't change it basically. So, so it's better adapt to that, 
and and then find out that okay what are my optimal rhythms for my right. day what right. is the optimal time to go to bed right. what is the optimal time to wake up and then for the exercises high intensity exercises especially but also for the mental work and that kind of stuff and and also what are the best meal times right. for me so it, so it goes it kind of connects to your metabolic rate as well. So yeah. if you combine your DNA information, then you can understand that, okay, in the evening, my metabolism, metabolic uh, system cannot handle um, protein or, or, or some other um, food so well. So I, for, it's better for me to, to eat this kind of stuff. So that yeah. No, my I, yeah, no I, absolutely. I want to yeah, double down on that. I mean, I think there's a lot of new data emerging around circadian rhythms. I mean, I think yeah. when people talk about intermittent fasting periods, right, like there's some discussion, yeah. do you want to, uh, you know, not skip breakfast, uh, mm. eat like a big late dinner, or do you want to, you know, skip dinner, eat a big breakfast? And I think there is, you know, there is some personalization there where I think a lot of the existing data is so confounded because it's like, okay, we have everyone's, every every type, every phenotype is just thrown in, thrown in there. You have lion and dolphin sleepers and all, you know, morning and you know, evening people and you get noisy signal. It's like, okay, well, if you actually uh, type people's actual circadian rhythms and then put them on protocols, then you get more yes. meaningful data. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our finding as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing intermittent fasting myself. And, and what's your, what's your protocol? I'm fasting today. Uh, my, my, yeah, my protocol is that uh, I normally don't eat anything after 7 p.m. in the evening, and then I, I, I'm fasting until the noon the next day. Okay. Is that's that, my normal. You know, that's and like, I, can, I can easily, very easily, I can continue from that without basically eating anything. Right. It's like a 15... Uh, before, uh, before next uh, Or, or, or uh, 17 7 sort of yeah sort yeah of something like schedule. that yes yeah. yes yes interesting and, and it, it works for me very well because I, I i'm used to do longer fasting and just sometimes even just water fasting for three to five days easily yeah. so it's so the intermittent fasting i find it really really useful for me yeah and, and i sometimes hard for me to understand why it's so difficult for some people yeah <laughs> I mean, I, I did a seven-day fast about a year ago just with water. I mean, the longer fast, I can see how it's very intimidating at first. But yes, yes, yes. Um, I think like a 16-8 or a 17-7 is, is quite manageable. Um, yes, I, I think you just need to decide to do it. Uh, I think people don't have the willpower or the social uh, you know, structure around them to you know, realize that this is like not unhealthy. This is reasonable. This is actually science and evidence-backed. Um, yes. I, before I want to get your thoughts on you know future signals. I mean, I think obviously there's some really compelling signals, and there's very good reasons why you have the existing signals into the you know the, the Gen One and the Gen Two product. How yes. about you know again pie in the sky? If you had infinite resources and you know infinite ways to like pack big sensors into small things, you know what what do you think are the most interesting things to track in 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 the future? Yeah, of course. Um... Since I have background in, in chronic diseases, of course, this um, blood glucose um, variation, that's, that's something that would be great if we would understand it better. So yeah. because continuous blood glucose monitoring hasn't been there so, for so long, we have users, we have doctors who are 
continuously doing that and yeah. they are correlating it with, with uh, overring data and they have found very good correlation between readiness score and this long-term fasting hmm. glucose. Uh, so so, uh, so we are continuously doing that work and, and kind of trying to find the meaningful way to provide that understanding that if we can get into the blood glucose reading without actually getting getting your blood uh, so so that is something that we are kind of building correlations for and, yeah. and looks looks promising that, yeah that would be uh, not, yeah i mean that's a, i think just to add color to that i mean i think i, I wear a cgm often um and it's so important for metabolism to understand your your blood glucose and it's super important because again it's it's how you diagnose type 2 diabetes Right. So and, and, and that's, you know, a third of Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic and like yes, 80% yes. of the people that are pre-diabetic don't even know it. So I think it's definitely one of these important measures. And there's so many different efforts to, you know, to, to you know, attack it. And I, I think that's one thing that I thought was interesting. Can we correlate intuit it with with non-invasive measures? Right. Because like when I wear a CGM, you have a little needle sticking into your arm. Yeah, exactly. It's it, exactly. it's not that annoying it's i i i find it you know non-intrusive but i don't know if that's going to be uh acceptable for everyone i mean i think i i realize that no, i'm a little not. bit out there right yeah. it's like it's you yeah. got a little disc in your arm yes um yes. but i yeah i would yeah, much I, rather wear a ring yeah my my view is that it's 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 too intimidating for majority of people yeah. so those who are in in the in a phase of pre-diabetes so they don't they they they, they don't kind of um, they don't want to do that so right. th they should be and also that it is it is a combination of many things it's not only blood glucose value that helps you to understand what's happening in your body but it is strongly correlating with kind of a long-term um, balance or imbalance of your autonomic nervous system so so you have to understand uh, that what is your capacity and what you can how you can live your life uh, keeping or maintaining the balance between load and recovery. Mm -hmm. so, so to me, it's more meaningful to have this kind of a long-term perspective that for me as, as a unique human being, what are the most meaningful biosignals that help me understand this kind of long-term perspective? How, what, how my, my uh, eating habits my exercise habits, different protocols, how my sleep, how restorative sleep I get. So, so I'm I'm always willing to go deeper into the understanding, more holistic way, not only kind of tie my thinking into one specific signal, right? Uh, but but combine it with with many other signals, so that and having long-term perspective. So then it, it gives more understanding that, okay, what is causing this situation? Right. And, 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 and how my body is responding to different, different things. Because it can be, just, it can be so, so many things that, that cause that imbalance that leads to, to pre-diabetes. Yeah, yes, yeah. No, I mean, I think, that's, that's, uh, I think that's the way more and more people will look at healthcare and medicine, right? Because I think... Mm. You know, you speaking with a lot of doctors that have been on this program. I mean, I think a lot of the institutional setup for medicine is find you know a specific number, one signal that is wrong, and then give someone a drug to like bring it back down or, or change it. And I think 
I mean, I, I think it sounds like you're an engineer by training. I'm, I'm a computer scientist by training. Um, we just, you know, the human body is a very complex network of systems. And, um, you know, it's very rarely that you, in, in a complex system, you, you nudge something down that you don't cascade across a, a number of different effects. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure like the doctors out there listening realize that, yes, they, they agree with that, you know. Yes. And it's just like, yes. I think having more metrics that, that, that then form, a, you know, a practitioner or the patient, how these things manipulate when you do an intervention adds more data, adds more power to an yes. end treatment or end, you know, routine for general health and wellness. Yes, and also, also exactly, um, kind of, in the context of blood glucose, I'm more interested in finding out the correlation with other signals so that I can get the understanding that how actually it should change because it, it, it is not stable signal. Again, it's like, like, like HRV. Yeah. It's, not, it's not stable. It is comp continuous variation. And it's, it's the same with blood glucose. Right. And also it's the same with, with blood pressure as well. So we don't actually know how our blood pressure should be variating during the day, right. during the 24 hours period. So we have what we see from our signals from the pulse amplitude variation, which is the one of the modulators is blood pressure. So mm. we can see the big changes there over, over the night and, and so on and different sleep phases. And also when you wake up, wake up in the morning. So it, it, it's a continuous interplay between your hormones. Right. So your hormonal balance is is affecting your blood pressure, your resting right. heart rate, because you need to be able to perform physically or mentally in different ways uh, during the different times of your of the day. Right. So your body is is uh, after you wake up in the morning, there's high peak in 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 so-called stress hormones, so that you cortisol, really wake up. Right. Yes, cortisol and yeah. testosterone and so on, so that you really are ready to wake up, yeah. and so so your literally your body wakes you up to, to be prepared for doing something, basically finding food. Right, right. <laughs> so so your body is driving you to find food to eat and, and then get energy from that, and then in the evening melatonin hits you to to knock your brain down so that you are prepared for your sleep. So it's kind of continuous interplay between hormones. Right, and and Blood glucose is one of the hormones that you can you can affect, kind of a, your with your intentional uh, protocols of eating habits, right. your sleeping sleeping rhythms, your exercise routines, right. and so on. Well, so I, I think you, I think you misspoke. Glucose isn't a hormone, but yes, it is affected by insulin or other hormones. It's exactly. a biomarker that is affected. Insulin, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yes, so so yeah, insulin is affected. What what we can affect with with our intentional uh, kind of protocols. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, mean, I yeah. think the, the, the suite of sensors, I think it really uh, is effective. I mean, I think it is cool to to see how you guys could actually sort of predict or measure when one falls asleep, right? I think one of the cool things with the with the ring, with Aura rings that, you know, it, it seems to be, you know, I'm not checking my phone and, and measuring when exactly I yes. fall asleep, but it seems pretty accurate in terms of yes. how one is able to do that through. And I guess yes. I presume it's intuited through uh, a, a change in all the different measures or all the sensors that you guys have? Yes, actually, body, body temperature is one of the things that when we go, when we just lay down, right. it's in, in our biology that the blood pressure is evenly kind of a, um, 
distributed in the body and then also that the core body temperature is pressed out to the periphery uh-huh. so your hands and feet get get warmer that is the basic functionality built in into the biology so that you can fall asleep hmm. and, and some people have have problems falling asleep if their hands or feet are are cold huh. if they're too cold so they don't they can't fall asleep so so you can help falling quicker asleep uh, by, by warming up your hands and, and feet. So then you help your peripheral blood circulation. Yeah. That. So, so that is one of the signals that, that kind of, there's big difference there when you lay down and go to sleep. So melatonin is hitting and, and that causes this, this to happen so that right. the core body temperature, so your, your core body is, is cooling down and, and your peripheral right? is, is, is warming up, yes. Hmm. And and then there is big change in the in the heart rate and also heart rate variation and, and breathing patterns. So many things change when you when you go the to transition. sleep and yeah. start falling. Yeah, the transition. Yeah. And of course movements. There's no movements and that kind of stuff. So so all those combined, then you can find find the characteristics yeah. that is interesting in different phases. One thing that I wanted to ask you about was the approach to having, uh, you know, the aura ring being very passive in terms of surfacing data. Was that a uh, an active choice? You know, what I mean by that is that, you know, you have the aura app and you have the ring on your hand. You can't necessarily query the ring to pull up, you know, a data like I want yes. to see heart rate now. Um, yes, yes. But, you know, one could imagine that, you know, that would be interesting. Like, hey, I want to I want to see some, you know, I want to see my temperature right now. Or I want to see X yes. right now. Uh, was yes. that this design choice? Was a technical limitation? What is your thinking between, you know, passively servicing information versus I want to yeah. actively query? It was, again, a use case choice. So, so we wanted to concentrate on the core use cases to get the most meaningful biosignals. And, and therefore, we, we also wanted to, to make it make the ring as a standalone device so that there's there's we can limit the Bluetooth connection to the mobile. So so the, actually we made made the ring as a full featured computer with enough processing power and memory to, to, to work standalone. So mm. it doesn't need your mobile. It doesn't the algorithms are not in the cloud, they are in the ring. And and, and so so that we can limit the Bluetooth uh, connectivity to two to three minutes per 24 hours mm. and, and only transfer when, when it's necessary to, for visualization of the data. Uh, so that was one of the reasons. But also that, that when we do that way, then we can refine the data inside the ring. So we can, we can only transfer the, the kind of processed data right. to the mobile phone. So whenever you stream the data, this is also it's also possible to stream the data, the heart rate, heart rate variability, and 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 the movements and so on. It's it's possible to stream. Technically, we we have that possibility, and we have done some demonstrations uh, that showing in real time data, and we have an engineering view in the app, not available for the users currently, but but maybe in in the next phases with Chain Two, it will be there. Right. So that. You can you can measure your heart rate heart rate variation uh, in every whenever you want right. and especially the cases again for the daytime measurements we are thinking from the use case perspective that what 
helps you to add value, add understanding about your recovery or readiness level. So then we concentrate on measuring automatically, like naps and and that kind of a hmm. restorative periods during the day, your your meditation sessions or relaxing exercises or whatever kind of contributes to your readiness or your recovery uh, protocol. So we concentrate on those, but also allow the user to, to measure whenever they, they want. For example, after the exercise, if you want to see that how quickly your heart rate is, is going down right. after the exercise. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's like, I think, I think, I think it's smart distinction. Sometimes I want to be active, like, you know, you know, you have an Apple Watch. You can say, "I, I want to see my heart rate now." Um, yes, but I, I can also see, the, you know, from the user perspective, sometimes I just like not having to think about a device on my hand. I mean, I, I think the cool thing with the Aura Ring, it just—I think especially with Gen Two, it just looks sexy. It's like a cool-looking product, and I think people don't think that it's like a, you know, a, a, a biohacker computer on their hand. So I think it is like this interesting trade-off. Um, but yes, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I like to measure, you know, when I'm in a hot sauna, for example, is to just see my heart rate and, and, and get to a point where, you know, I realize I'm you know, pushing, you know, the limits of, you know, my length in the sauna, for example, and having yes, an active yes. view for a very yeah. specific use cases would be potentially interesting, you know, as, as yes. you unlock that functionality for, you know, more advanced users or whatnot. Yes, yes. We tend to, there is much better possibility for that because the, the power management has improved. It's 10 times longer right. or, or 10 times better. And, and the processing power is bigger. So so with this one, it's it's possible to do that. Uh, yeah. So you can, as I said, we can do continuous heart rate monitoring. And it includes every beat and, and the time between the heartbeats for about 14 hours per day. And, and for seven days yeah. with one chance. So, so then there's... Not only your night, but also during the day, there's several hours of continuous measurement. Right. Not not sampling, just every minute, maybe between every ten seconds or something, but every beat and at the time between the heartbeats right. and so. So, it's big difference. Yeah, and I've been, you know, as you know, been playing with the Aura Ring for the last couple of weeks and posting some some photos with it on on social. And a lot of people have been tweeting at me, being like, you know, when is it going to be available? Is that Gen One, mm. Gen Two? Um, yes. Um, yeah. Can we get? The, yeah. What What are the product details? You know, when when can people get Gen Two? I know it's been on pre order for a few months now. Uh, yes. When do people get their goods? Yeah. So we start deliveries, uh, volume deliveries in April. So, so we have custom, customers already in more than 50 countries and pre-orders from more than 50 countries. About 60% of them are from U.S. And California is the biggest, biggest area where we have yeah. users. Uh, so, so we start deliveries in April, but um, I need to mention that there are already so big number of, of those pre-orders that not all of them will be delivered in April. It will be <laughs> May and so on. So... So we've been we've been really let's say successful. So especially our current users have been helping us find new customers because, like uh, you know, the conversion rate from the referrals from our existing users. Can you figure how how big got the conversion was? <laughs> uh, what in terms of referral? I, I I'm yeah, gonna guess. from referral to order. Um, thirty percent. 
70 percent and that's ridiculous that's insanely yeah, ridiculous. that's yeah. i mean i was gonna say i knew it was gonna be high otherwise you wouldn't brag about yeah. it but i mean 70 percent conversion 70%. rate per referral is insane 70 percent and wow. that tells about how committed our users are and and that is supported our, our long-term retention rates are yeah. also two to three times higher than any other wearables. Congrats on the process. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, any, any last thoughts here? I mean, it sounds like we've covered um, the broad gamut. I, I, I like that we started from a very holistic approach and all the different skill sets that come to bring, you know, the aura ring into place from the hardware to the design, from the business side, the distribution side, the use case side, down to what I think were some of the interesting insights into the advantages of the form factor. I mean, I think, again, it, it, it seems silly, you know, knowing a little bit more about the specific hardware state that people are focused on the, 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 the form so much that it, it makes the function really um, hard to use, right? Like, again, a watch that you need to charge, you know, a couple times a day or at least once a day makes it very, very unwieldy for sleep tracking or for continuous tracking. And... Um, so I, I appreciate the good work you guys are doing on and really, I think, being a part of what I see as part of the future. You know, in the future, there will be a continuous dashboard of human biometrics. Just as we have like an activity monitor for our computers, we have, you know, the, the report on our house, the report on our car for, mm, yes. you know, the most valuable, most complicated machinery that we all will ever own which is our bodies, we have very, very little data on. And it seems silly to me that no one is building or, or, or very few people or organizations like yourself are, are building the, the right tools there, right technologies there. So, uh, you know, I want to say keep up the good work there and we want to, you know, keep in touch and, and support if we can. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's really what is exactly driving us. So we, we just don't want to kind of accept what is there in the current paradigm, but, but we want to go also deeper into understanding in the context of what is the meaning of sleep, what is the meaning of the the glymphatic system that, that cleanses the, the brain during the night, how the sleep stages are correlating with that cleansing system. And so, so all the kind of body functions that we have certain kind of a, um, kind of a method or, or something to measure that uh, currently, but still we haven't kind of understood it so far. So we want to dig deeper into the understanding that how in a unique level for each individual, how we can empower them to by learning about their own body reactions in the context of their own lifestyle, their own daily choices and different protocols they have. Well said. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Pedri. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great. Well, that was a really fun and interesting conversation with the founder of Aura Ring. And I've been a personal fan of the product as well. So we're doing something really, really special for this episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. We're actually doing a partnership with Aura and giving you discounts for their new version 2 ring. So when this goes out, this will be time sensitive. When you type HVMN in the checkout, you will actually get a special, special discount. So this episode will go live February 26th. And for the two weeks that this goes live immediately, you will get $100 off on the aura ring so that will go uh that promotion will end on march 12th 2018 after that two week period you'll just get 75 dollars off still a pretty good value and that cutoff will be march 26th 
after March 26th, if you tune in a month late, uh, you'll still get $50 off. So use the code HUMAN, H-V-M-N, at the checkout for a special discount uh, code.